Hello, and welcome to Stirring the Pot, Entertainment Zoo's premier edutainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek, the first and the last. And today we have a special interview with Mojo. Hi. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, so um, as you know, being an artist is an extremely difficult career to pursue. What drew you to art growing up, and how does that continue to motivate you? So I feel like that's always a really easy answer for me because I just, I don't know how to be anything else. Like, I feel like being an artist is just in my bones. I've always known that I was going to be an artist. Like, it was the first thing I named whenever people would, like, you know, ask you, oh, what do you want to be when I grow up? And I was just like, an artist, duh. Like, what else is there to do? Like, I don't want to work in a bank. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I get that. It's very similar to me as well. My family's right. like, like, I was like, we're going to get into it in the later questions that deal with more like Caribbean isms. But my family very much was like, oh, yeah, I want you to be a doctor, but art. Oh, my God. My the doctor agenda. Yeah. <laughs> I know my parents are proud of me. Yeah. But I feel like if, they, if I was a doctor, they'd be, you know, it'd be a bigger source. It'd of be, pride. They'd, be show, they'd show off all the time. Right. Honestly. They should be glad that I'm not a doctor because I would not be a good one. So <laughs> y'all don't need me in that industry. And how does um how does um how do you use your like kind of childhood dream to kind of keep motivating motivating you to this day? Well, I feel like I am just in a position where I can. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe I shouldn't have pursued uh what I dreamed of in terms of you know like building wealth because i'm really not doing any of that but (laughs) i oh can i curse is that okay yeah that's fine we'll censor it out okay 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 um but yeah i feel like i'm in a position where i can pursue what i want to do um i have more leeway and wiggle room to do that that's something that a lot of people don't have especially folks in my family so i figure if anybody's gonna do it like why not me um so I feel like when it comes to my, you know, ethnicity and when I tell people that I'm Haitian or when I come across other Haitian folks, they're always a little, you know, surprised that I'm pursuing art. But I, I feel I like, feel yeah, I for me, it's just that's not something I think about. It's just it comes so naturally. I'm just like, why would I not take advantage of this skill that comes to me? And I like it. So what else is there to do not a lot of people get to do what they like so you know it, if, if, it's, if it comes to me i'm going to do whatever i want so <laughs> i agree um whether um so the next question is whether it's in regards to ethnicity race or sexuality i really appreciate that you constantly show representation throughout your work um why do you feel is this is important to express i feel like so when I draw a lot of my characters and when I've like, you know, as I've built up my body of work, um, I think the intention of depicting different ethnicities, different uh, types of people, different sexualities, that was never on the forefront of my head. Like it wasn't, it was intentional, but it was not really something that felt like I was working from outside the box mm-hmm. because, you know, we exist like queer people exist black and brown and and you know all types of folks we exist and my artwork is a reflection of how i see the world 
and how I experienced it. So it never really felt like I was doing anything alien, even though I get a lot of um, compliments on how I do that. You know, I'm always made aware that this is not something that's very common, mm -hmm. but for me, in my head, it's it's very like this is default, you know. It's but I know that that goes. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, why would you not draw like black people? Why would I not uh, depict all types of sexualities and genders? Like they are here, we they exist, and they always have been here. So that's how I view it, and that's why I guess why it comes so easily to me. Nice. Um, the reason I had the question in the first place was one, your artwork's lovely, and I love seeing all your depictions of like, oh yeah, it's this anime character, but it's like Nana, but black. It's like I really appreciate seeing that, especially since me growing up, um, I would a lot of the artwork that I would like learn how to draw from. It's like, oh, it's primarily a certain type of person with a certain type of type of body type, and I just really appreciate that. Even from like as far back as I like seeing your artwork, you're always trying to like include different like different types of people which i really appreciate so i just want wanted that to be of oh. note in the interview as well <laughs> thank you you know that honestly like sparked a memory uh from when i first started doing fan art and when i first started like drawing like with the intention of trying to get better i remember being maybe around 11 or 12 and my sister would look at my artwork and she asked me why don't you draw black people and I didn't have an answer for that because I was just like, oh, my God, why not? Like, why am I not doing that? And, you know, I was just drawing the characters that I saw on, like, TV and animes. Mm -hmm. But um, I just, oh, not everybody. Why is everybody driving right now? Hold on, let me close my window. But, yeah, I, my sister asked me that question. And since then, I just thought, huh, maybe I should do something else. <laughs> That's so funny because... That is a similar story to how, like, my writing increased because growing up, I'm a, I'm a big, like, fantasy writer. I love writing stuff in fantasy. But if you know anything about the fantasy genre, it's mostly filled with, uh, like, it's mostly filled with white, white. guys. And so, <laughs> yes. and so all of the, like, stories that I wrote growing up, it was all just white guys. And then funny enough, I met Asia um, in college. And Asia was just like, yeah, it's it's a nice story, but it's like, why is everyone white? It, <laughs> and it it didn't hit me until I was like 19. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I am just drawing, writing nothing but white people. And then like right. Sam, I, I met Sam earlier than Asia. And then Sam drew a lot of my characters. And then yeah, I, also, I also had that problem. So yeah. I didn't even, it didn't even compare <laughs> to me. No, see, the thing is the funny enough, anytime you try to add any sort of like, black features i was just like why you know it's <laughs> they're white it's cool and i never thought further than that mm -hmm. i feel like right i think oh go ahead oh, no, sorry, go on, then. I, know, I just was gonna say like i think it came to i got to a point where i was just like why is it so alien for me to see myself in my work and I was just like, ooh, that's weird. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, it's funny because what I was going to say was like, I didn't realize, sorry, it was like during like after I graduated high school and it was like when I wanted to be like pursue more artwork stuff and it's like, yeah, draw the singer style and this, this, and this. Or like the um, artists 
versus arch trend and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then like it kind of like was sort of sad because i'm like oh um i don't know how to draw myself with me looking like myself in a satisfying way that i like and then so from then on i tried to like incorporate so it was like a it was like a sorry not to get like sad or anything but i was like oh <laughs> i was like oh i don't think i like the way i look because of what pe- the people that i draw that i find attractive i don't have so from then on i try to incorporate more of my features because i'm like I, I look like a normal person like if someone mm-hmm. like i'm like i'm not like a supermodel but it's like if someone saw me in the in the street they're not gonna throw tomatoes at me so I try, to, <laughs> I try to keep that in mind when I'm also drawing because people are just people, so they should. Right. So you should be able to. I feel like, and it's also a poor testament if you can only draw one type of person. If you can only draw, oh, yeah. like, you're not flexing your art muscles to say the least. Yeah, I especially made it intentional for me to draw more black people and more. Uh, different ethnicities especially once I started taking more classes in high school and college I was always in art classes and when I was trying to learn how to depict different people I had to do all that learning on my own because it's also not a part of our curriculum I mean like we're like deleted from our curriculum in all subjects Mm -hmm. so it was just like wow like I felt like I had to do it. Like, it felt like I was obligated to. Yeah. I don't even in my, um, what's that class called? It's like art history class that I took in college. A lot of them focus on mainly, like, European art or maybe, like, mainly, like, American art. But they don't touch on any other, like, not even, mm-hmm. they don't touch on anything else, even though, like. We live right down the street from an art museum. And they've yeah. never had a, um. Any kind of black exhibitions yeah. or like any kind of like Asian exhibitions, Hispanic. Wow. I, think they, I think they have one Hispanic exhibition currently, but it was like a showcase and it was only for like a week or so. Mm-hmm. Shameful. I, yeah. <sighs> I even had an art teacher in high, or no, it was in college where um, I worked at an African art gallery at the time. And my professor came by and she didn't know I worked there. And then the next day in class, she proposed that I do like, you know, some sort of tour with the class, you know, talking about African art. And I'm just like, you get paid for this. Why are you doing that? You want me to do it for free? Yeah, you're the teacher. What am I doing here? What for no money? Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of Black artists have had a similar uh, trajectory. So it's nice to like uh, share those stories and you know be seen because uh, we have similar experiences. For sure, I that's why I really wanted to do the interview with you because one, it's February, so you know, but also yeah. because I uh, even when we talk in conventions, I really appreciate even just seeing you because it's like we're on a similar wavelength, which I really, which I really appreciate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like when you're because you know convention spaces are very. They are, there are lots of different types of people who, who exhibit in, at conventions and shows, but, you know, looking around, you can, we, we stick out, we stick out because there's not many of us, yeah. and yeah. conventions have exploded so much, but there's still so few of us in comparison to, you know, the greater con community, 
And I feel like that's something that needs to be pointed out, Mm -hmm. especially considering how far cons have come and how much more, I don't even want to say how much more welcoming, because it's it's not necessarily more welcoming. It's just, it feels broader, Mm -hmm. you know? It's funny because I was going to mention no. that my I, like my friends that I have from high school that like we still talk pretty regularly. They don't know what I do, but they're just like, yeah, you do like anime art and like, but they don't like going to conventions. <laughs> and so, and same thing with my family. They don't understand exactly what I do. They're just like, oh, her bills are getting paid. So I guess it's fine. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about it. But I, whatever, mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, we, I can go visit you at the convention. Like, ah, I don't think you would like it. My my <laughs> my mom wants to visit us at a convention so bad, but I'm just like, ah, I feel like <laughs> the way that she reacts to spaces that aren't <laughs> that melanated or aren't melanated yeah. to the ways that she wants them to be, mm-hmm. it's bad. And so I was just like, yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, you, you don't want to be there. And it's because my family is like immigrants, so they already don't understand American stuff. <laughs> so when I was like growing up and I was going through like, oh yeah, I'm going through a goth phase. Oh, I'm going through my scene phase. They didn't get it. And they were very much yeah. like, oh, she needs to start going to church more often, I guess. Yes. So, oh my God. The double worship accusations were wild in high school. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, well, they're not, they don't understand this aspect us exploring and then they're very supportive they're trying to like go to convention i'm like i don't think you would like it i don't I, it's not even just like you the know. hassles of like oh finding like convention places are really crowded and etc 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 everything's kind of expensive you just i don't think you would enjoy anything but <laughs> i i digress so I, i'm gonna skip a little bit ahead because we answered a few of the questions um with that little um decompression session um, <laughs> Um, so the next question is, do you work on any original content? If so, what? If not, why not? What draws you to fan content? Ooh, this question, this was loaded. I do work on a lot of, I work on a lot of original art and a lot of fan art. I feel like I am not working on as much original art as I would like. I kind of go through phases where I'm really just solely focusing on original work. And then I go through phases where I want to do a lot of fan art. And as a as someone who went to college for art and just took art classes all throughout schooling, I feel like I've always had a really difficult relationship with doing fan art. Um, right now, my motivation for doing fan art is well, in income. You know, mm-hmm. I I, I got the most at conventions. You know, yeah, and. I I do get a lot of um, attention uh, to my work from my original work, and that always makes me feel great. Um, fan art, I kind of have two different approaches for it. One is, you know, for income, I, I, I got to do what I got to do. I see what makes the money, and sometimes I, this is one of the ways where I can, where I can play the game. I don't like the game, but yeah, I, I sometimes I got to play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I also use fan art as a way to kind of study, uh, to study character design, to study um, work from other artists and production houses. You know, mm-hmm. when I do fan art, I try my best to uh, figure out a way to make that work or that character my own. Like, what do I do in my design process that makes this character feel like I'm not just... Um, copying the character and which copying is a great way to study mm-hmm. but copying and just reinventing the wheel is, is a good way to study something 
And so that's something that I've come to learn coming out of college after having it almost beat out of me, like, <laughs> where fan art is just, like, so looked down upon, like, in, like, yeah. um, I guess formal art settings, especially when you're in, like, fine arts um, uh, areas or fine arts communities. It, it can be looked down on, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with me appreciating media that inspires me. Mm-hmm. I just feel like um, I, it's hard. You gotta, you kind of have to find a balance between paying homage to the work and uh, work from other artists and production houses. Um, like you kind of have to find a balance between paying homage and like you know, solely just reinventing the wheel. So at some point. You, I want to take what I've studied through fan art and make something of my own. So I'm in my fan art phase now, but my original art, I, that's always, I always have whips in the background. <laughs> the thing is, I really do like that answer because I feel like a lot of the time, because when you're mentioning like being in art settings, like, because I also, my entire life have been in art classes. I was like in AP and IB art when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a bunch of drawing classes <laughs> also in college. Um, and a lot thing is they very much shame you for doing fan art, but I really like the, yep. I really like your interpretations of like, oh, doing fan art and like me studying, I'm studying someone's work. I feel like it's mm-hmm. just as valid and just as viable as me looking at like Michelangelo's like paintings. It's just like, oh, I like the way this person does their character work. I want to study this aspect that I, they feel like I might be lacking in my artwork and just looking at that for inspiration, mm-hmm. which I, I really yeah, like. Sorry, you know, like during during like uh, I think it's October or during Blacktober, where mm-hmm. um, a lot of artists are doing their own renditions of you know other characters and IPs that are already existing. I see people or um, you know how folks will like draw their characters in a specific style of a show. Like to me, that's um those those are all ways of of studying, and I think that they're all valid. Um, and it sucks that we live in a society where you have to make income to support every part of your like survival. Yeah. Um, because I think there would be a lot less pressure to do fan art if those uh, conditions weren't the same. But you know, I agree. Um, trying to find balance and <laughs> trying to find balance in that environment, it's it's damn near impossible. But you can only do you can only do your best. Yeah, there's there's only so much you can do, um, especially like I know when we started out like selling stuff, what we had to do was use the the Dragon Ball Z shirts mm-hmm. and the Dragon Ball Z posters mm-hmm. to kind get of get a, yeah to garner attention. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. from there we could kind of like try to pivot into other things that they might like, and like have a conversation like in that way, mm-hmm. which I I did enjoy because I do love Dragon Ball Z, but it feels a bit disheartening when it's overshadowing all your other work that you do. And it's kind yeah. of overshadowing all the other like lovely things that you draw, so I completely understand yeah. that regard, <laughs> where that can be mm-hmm. frustrating. Um, and funny enough, into that question, I was gonna lead into sorry, did you, did you have no, no. Into that question, I was gonna go into the next question of if it's a matter of time slash resources, what would what do you wish that you had more time to spend on? Oh, I definitely wish I had more time to spend on my original characters. Which, I mean, I can always make more time, but, you know, it's hard. It's hard, yeah. and, you know, when you have to, especially when you have to work or, or if you go to school or if you're just trying to balance different aspects of your life. It's, it's, it's hard. 
but I really do wish I had more time to just develop my characters. And that's something that I do want to work out at some point this year. Um, and that might lead to me just completely, you know, putting a stop on fan art just to focus on that. Mm -hmm. um, but I really do want to spend time developing my characters, not just in their design, but in their like stories and, you know, taking time to really figure out storytelling. Um, that's not something that I am much of an expert in. That's something that, I, that's a new skill that I want to pick up myself. Mm -hmm. So in conjunction with illustrating and uh, designing characters, I want to uh, spend time learning about storytelling and how to create uh, cohesive background stories and create compelling characters that are, you know, compelling in uh, their backstories and what they have to offer, not just in their designs. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, funny that you mentioned that because I, I have a similar thing where also I'm like, sorry, I, Alien Girl <laughs> Band, you know, we've talked. I feel, like I, bring, I feel like I bring it up in every podcast that we're talking with, that I've been talking about with the other artists. Um, but I agree where I feel like it's because my brain, my entire life has been routed to artwork and making sure things look nice. Um, me knowing Derek has made me want to create my own stories and why, like, mm -hmm. it makes me, it made me really appreciate those aspects of like storytelling as a medium. So I completely understand where it's like, it could be very overwhelming to <laughs> have a story that's really compelling and moves people. And that is actually good. So I get you in that regard. Um, and like, also you could do this like after the fact, but I was like, oh, I also wouldn't mind if you had, it, if you need to bounce off ideas with anybody, like you have my number, you're good. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I will need that so badly. <laughs> um, so the next one I was gonna have is, do you have any messages to say for creators in a similar place in life as you are? And what would you tell your younger self about where you are now? Those should have been two different questions. I forgot to put, a, <laughs> I forgot to put a thing there, a bullet point. But yes, um, any messages to people in your similar, any creators in your similar position? Um, let me see. I feel like I'm still in a position where I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. Like, <laughs> so it's it's kind of hard to to pinpoint exactly what advice I have to give, but like. I just feel like I've been trusting my gut, you know, throughout my time, especially after college, um, just figuring out where I want to put my, where, where I want my labor to be spent and what I want my, I don't know, I don't want to, should I say legacy? Yeah, I'll say legacy, I'll say legacy. <laughs> what I want, <laughs> what I want my legacy to be, I've been um, really trusting my gut and going with how you know going with with my heart i guess i keep getting questions about you know what what is it that i want to do with my art and my small business what is it that i want to accomplish and it's so hard for me to answer that question because i feel like i've already accomplished <laughs> like what i wanted what i wanted is to do what i'm doing right now and just to keep doing it and you know, if there's a will, there's a way. I, I, obviously there's access that I have. Um, there is certain access to education, certain access to materials. My material conditions, you know, that makes, that really makes or breaks what I'm able to do. And that's the case for everybody. But, 
you know, do what is within your reach um, and try to exhaust that as much as you can without exhausting yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't put out artwork at the same rate as some other creators. I can't go to as many conventions. I can't create every art piece that I have in mind, but I, I do what I can with the resources that I have. And, you know, I do the best I can with what I have, because at least I can say I tried. Mm-hmm. That's really you know? sweet. Sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel whenever I do these artist things, I get emotional. Um, I do. <laughs> I, feel... so I was reading these questions for the first time, and I was just like, oh my god, I don't want to cry. <laughs> Um, cause the thing is, I feel like, I appreciate that every interview I've had so far has been like, yeah, I do, I don't, like, because of, like, the rise of AI art and stuff, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we're not gonna get fact, into it. And the fact that we live in a capitalist society. We live in a capitalist society. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the, I, not a, I'm sorry, not even a lot of people that I know or have met, but I do understand that there's, like, some people in the art, in, like, the con sphere that only do it to make money. And it works for mm-hmm. them, but it's just like, oh. Um, I'm doing art because I because it's in my soul. I care for art, and I want to do. I want to show people like. Oh, sorry, was, I'm losing my words. Um, I feel like artwork is a way for me to be vulnerable with people. I feel like I'm very not vulnerable with people usually. I feel like I'm very much an mm-hmm. arm's length type of person, unless we really reach like level five friendship. Um, I've been working on mm-hmm. it. Um, but I feel like. The things that I appreciate about you and all the other artists I've talked to, not even just the ones that I've interviewed, but other people at conventions and people who have been neighbors with me and other people that comment on artwork just in the aisles, they always have the same answer where it's just like, yeah, I love doing art. And it's like something that even if I wasn't making any money off of, I, it's something that I'd want to do. And it's, I'm going to do it even if I have to like work another job, even if I have to like make, if I have to do like something that I don't particularly care for, I'm going to be doing it because I love doing it, which I really appreciate hearing. Cause I feel like more often, I feel mm-hmm. like like people who, uh, sorry, is people like uh, it's like teachers that I had in high school mainly who are mm-hmm. just like, yeah, um, you should be careful of being an artist because you're not gonna make any money and this is and this and it's gonna be hard for you. Da 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 da. But I feel like I've had jobs where they're more reasonable and realistic that were just as bad and I was more miserable because of it. Yeah, like, especially coming from me, like, I never thought I would become that type of person who just, like, it's not that I can't hold down a job, I can, it's just, I'm so, I mean, I don't like saying that I'm defiant, because I think that the parameters that we have to live under are ridiculous anyways, Mm -hmm. like, what do you mean I have to dress a certain way to show up to work, the work's getting done, (laughs) but, like, you know, things like that, I feel like... (laughs) I don't like saying that I'm defiant, but I guess that would be the best, that's the best word I, word I can think of. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I want to conform to the ways uh, that we are kind of forced to, to have like um, a decent life, mm-hmm. which I feel like most people who have existed uh, during the time that this country has been a country, like I feel like we've done as much work that needs to be done. Why do we have to work so hard doing things that we don't? like to do i feel like a part of me pursues art not just because like i really do love it but i'm just like i'm so spiteful i'm like how dare 
society tell me that I'm not worthy if I'm an artist? When our entire society, you know, relies on art. Art is how we communicate. Art is not just how we're entertained. It's how we share ideas. It's how we share culture. It's how we get inspired. It's how we motivate each other. It's how we connect with each other. And I'm like, it's like one of the oldest trades or maybe the oldest trades, that and sex work. But like, it's always <laughs> going to be here. <laughs> like, it's always, there's always going to be a need for it. It's always going to be here. So I just don't feel like, I feel like I have to be an artist, not just because I love it, but I'm just like, I have to do it. I have to, to stick it to the man. I don't know, I don't know who the man is, but I'm going to stick it to him. Fuck yeah, Mojo. <laughs> so the whole time you were talking, you were monologuing, we were just looking at each other like, yeah. We were nodding like, yeah. Because this <laughs> this goes into the speech that I always give before every Isu, like convention, mm-hmm. where we talk about what we do. We're an edutainment company where we use uh, critical thinking and apply it to entertainment because entertainment and art they represent what a society finds important. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they represent the zeitgeist of a society. Mm-hmm. So it completely ignoring like the, the artist value. and yeah. the value behind art is something that we're always like hyper focused on. Mm-hmm. It's one of those yeah. things where I love the idea that it's just like um Art itself represents a defiance of the natural, like, quote-unquote, order of society. Mm -hmm. Because who starts the revolutions more often than not? It's the Mm -hmm. artists. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's the, and then artists have the power to um, change the world. It's why in most fascist societies, they, who do they crack down on the first? Yeah. The artists. I think, I thought you were going to mention the fact that it's just like, I feel like, as humans, sorry, I'm an anthropologist. Hi. Um, sometimes <laughs> I go into an anthropology rant. No, go ahead. Speak your truth. No, um, I love it. <laughs> I was going to say that I feel like us looking at humans as just other animals, it's just like, oh, even like back before we were like, like we were on the bottom of the food chain and we were like kind of like hiding in caves for safety and not really knowing how to like survive on our own, we would still want to express ourselves through art there'd still be like cave paintings and like sculptures and like megaliths and etc mm-hmm. for people like these people these were like things that were like it's like i'm I, if i don't gather stuff right now if i don't hunt something down i can't eat today so i feel like yeah. us taking the time to like do to do art and make music and like like create theater and create plays and stuff to entertain ourselves from like a very kind of bleak existence is important and the thing is, I, it annoys yeah. me that it feels like constantly from generation to generation since the beginning of time, artists have been kind of shafted and seen as unimportant. Even when we see all the, like, there's a, there's millionaires who won't pay their workers, but they'll spend some money on some art. They'll go to the Louvre. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay. And with like, sorry for bringing up AR, AI art again. But it's <laughs> like, you care about art because you want a computer to make it for you for free. You like right. art. You just want to pay me. So it's kind mm-hmm. of it kind of annoys me that everything that is created is kind of made to undermine people in a sense, whether it's for art or for like yeah. like 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 um essential workers or whatever the case is. Oh god, that got really depressing. Um No, so- I feel you. And like 
having these discussions about art, like I feel like art and the discussions that we have about it, the way we struggle uh, through life with art, um, and we use art to like depict our struggle and like represent our struggle, like it's like it's a testament to our lives, like the art we make and and what we say about it like that's just kind of like i don't know i feel like it's a way to say i was here and i i existed and i witnessed this this happened and i was here (laughs) it's the thing that marks us in history Mm -hmm. like what what do we have to go back to other than either things people have written down or the art they use to depict it Mm -hmm. or which is why we have art history yeah it shows us a time period of like what people were like back then like even if there's an idea of aliens what what did we send out when we sent that we sent a gold etched um like record or record that had tons of examples of our art our music on it mm-hmm. and so just in case a civilization yeah. finds it it's just like well let me go to earth let's yeah. see what that's about let's see about michael mm-hmm. jackson <laughs> even like our writing like just writing in general like not even just the subject matter that's being conveyed but like just the existence of writing Mm -hmm. and how like language is developed and how there are markings that signify what we want to convey like that in and of itself like that is something we created Mm -hmm. that is something that was that is an art form like not even just limited to fonts like literally language (laughs) why do you think they call it language arts oh that was big brain i just came up with that (laughs) look at that that. Um, I'm gonna use that later. <laughs> so going off of this part, um, what would, what would you tell your younger self about where you are now? Oh, my younger self. I feel like my younger self. Oh, what would I tell her? Cause I sometimes I feel like I look back and I'm just like, wow, I haven't, I haven't really changed all that much. But I would, I would tell my younger self that you don't have to have it all figured out, you know, keep doing what you want to do. Even if it's, even if other people don't think it's right, even if other people don't think that anything will come of your labor, like, I, I, I feel like I was always second guessing myself and always feeling like, you know, I should conform or change my desires so that I can make the people around me comfortable but like I want to tell my younger self that other people's discomfort doesn't have to dictate your future you know mm-hmm. like I can really you're you're able to I don't know you're, you're only able to do so much when you are an oppressed person but like you doing what you want you pursuing the things that you want and trying to build the life that you want for yourself and the people around you like that is that is resistance that is a way you can resist against the things that you know are hurting you Mm -hmm. so resistance is a good thing i guess that's what yes dad i'm good all right oh sorry (laughs) but yeah resistance is a good thing and you know there's freedom in that there's peace and freedom in that is what i would tell my younger self I love that answer. I, I also really like that answer. Because um, the thing is, I feel like 
Sorry, me personally, I added this question. Sorry, me and Adrian work on the questions together, and a small part of me is like, oh, I don't necessarily know what I would tell me yourself because the trajectory of life has brought me in a drastically different direction. And sometimes it's like, will my younger self be proud of me? We're gonna say yes because I don't want to <laughs> think about it. Um, but I do appreciate that you would like. You're like because also since you were mentioning how you haven't changed much since being a child, which I also really appreciate. I'm like, I feel it's hard to go your entire life and not be jaded by the horrors of the world you know <laughs> sad to say the least um but yeah better be appreciate that answer did asia put this question down or did you i think asia put that question down because so, i feel like a lot of sorry we were out together it, we, we were having conversation no you know. I, I think it's funny mm-hmm. because asia's a school teacher mm-hmm. um and when you're a teacher you're constantly seeing kids formulate their dreams now how unrealistic those dreams are that's something you can't tell the kid but it's interesting that she and to a lesser extent me because i teach middle schoolers it's an it's an interesting phenomenon to watch as kids try to figure out who they are mm-hmm. and so i think that type of question is always really fun to reflect on like what what would you tell your younger self mm-hmm. like um, like my younger self, like be surprised that I was bi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'd be surprised that I didn't become a doctor like my dad wanted me to. So your dad also wanted you to be a doctor. My dad also wanted to That's be a doctor. Crazy. You know, he, he's Haitian. He only know? barely mentions it. Wow, <laughs> the doctor agenda it, 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 it runs strong. And then even as a middle school teacher, he's just like, you should be a college professor. Yeah, we don't want you to advance. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's one of those things where I feel like that sort of self-reflecting is important to see how far you've come, especially within such a career path that we all chose Mm -hmm. art where I don't know about, I don't know. I can't speak for anyone else, but every time I write something, um, I accidentally put a piece of myself in it. And it's a version. Mm-hmm. It's a version of me where it's just like, oh, Derek, all of your writing speaks to something deep in you that you haven't figured out yet. Yeah, I'm using my writing for therapy. <laughs> I'm writing out mm-hmm. my emotions because to bring it back to the creating your own things part. Um, all the alien girls are just facets of my personality that I'm trying to work through by mm-hmm. having it be a childhood dream of me you know like i don't know if you've experienced this but you know in elementary school like your friends would be like oh yeah we just saw cheetah girls we're gonna join we're gonna make a band and it's gonna be a real band yes <laughs> <laughs> literally me trying to recreate the entirety of high school musical in one 30 minute recess <laughs> Thank you. Because I feel like whenever I bring it up to anybody, they're going to be like, I'm crazy. I'm like, no, this was a thing. Everyone had this thing. As soon as Cheetah Girls came out, everyone wanted to be in a girl band. I've been in like 10 different girl bands since elementary school. (laughs) Where we all, I was in multi, I was in, while being in one girl band, I was in a different girl band from like my after school program and one for class and one for my at home. So I'm like, this is a real busy. But yeah, but essentially the story was inspired by that, where I'm like, yeah, we're going to take this child, we're going to, my my real adult problem, we're going to put them in a childlike thing and see how that develops. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think I it's, feel like... I, I feel like, sorry, this is what I wanted to say earlier. Um, I feel like everyone on some level yearns for the innocence of being a child, where you don't realize mm-hmm. how 
crappy the world is because um uh my seventh graders were reading a book called a long walk to water and it was about the sudanese civil war in the 1980s there is currently a sudanese civil war happening right now um Mm -hmm. and so as a kid that from the story seems so far away as a kid you don't think about what's happening in the Gaza, in the Gaza Strip. You're not thinking about the mm-hmm. presidential election. You're not thinking about yeah. like all these other things. And so I know, right, I didn't think about any of those things as a child. As a kid, it, it, it really it as really a kid it just face. bounces off of you. You don't, mm-hmm. like, you don't pay attention to any of that. And it doesn't affect me. But, I can't believe. <laughs> and so it's like when I when I write and then when I walk into trying to question, oh man, would your younger self be proud of you? Um it's with that additional context that as a kid, you don't realize how much the world sucks. So me doing art allows me to kind of tap back into that original feeling, a facsimile of it, not a real mm-hmm. version mm-hmm. of it. But it's like yeah. when I do art, I can feel good yeah. about myself for that bit of time. I agree. Because the thing is, um, because we all have Caribbean parents that watch you, that rush you to grow up. Um, I feel like as mm-hmm. I think it's also why I was, I was like, oh, I feel like with artwork, I've become more vulnerable as a person because I was, I'm uh, this. I feel like I'm the like nega version of myself as a child, where I feel like if my child self, myself, myself self was very strict. They were very much teacher's pets. They were very much like, ma'am, I mean, like, miss, mm-hmm. I did the homework. Um, are you gonna collect the homework today? I was very <laughs> annoying. I don't like myself as a child. I feel like, I, I feel like I'd be really. I feel like. I'd, I'd be so annoyed if I had to deal with like this as like if I had to deal with this as a, as a teacher, um, <laughs> but I was very like but like the adults at the time appreciated it, but me now I'm trying to like be like oh that's kind of terrible it was kind of terrible like my childhood was kind of like not stolen from me I feel like that sounds harsher but I had to grow up because of circumstance. Yeah, relatable. Yeah, I feel like also growing up with um, parents who are, um, well, my parents are Haitian and they came as refugees. There was always just this constant sense of urgency when it came to like me growing up. And like, you know, yeah, you know, when your parents like immigrating is already like a, it could be very traumatic, but like Mm -hmm. uh, fleeing your home, like that kind of left my, the older people of my family in this sense of just, urgency and like kind of like panic mode where that was kind of transferred on to me as a kid where I felt like I I wasn't necessarily pushed to grow up they tried to protect me the best that they could but you know that sense of urgency trans transferred into you know my being too Mm so it's it wasn't an intentional like growing up too fast but like I definitely feel like I had to relinquish my childlike qualities a lot sooner. Um, And now as an adult, I feel like I'm trying to gain those qualities back, Um, especially when you, or as I've come to realize how oppressed children are, (laughs) especially like in this country, it's like where you kind of have to beat the kid out of you in order to function yeah. as a productive adult. Yeah. And I'm just realizing that that is just so, it's not healthy. <laughs> like, it's not right. <laughs> so I'm trying to uh, work 
retroactively almost. I'm gaining more knowledge and becoming more aware of where I am in this world, but like mm-hmm. I don't want uh, the knowledge of you know history and the knowledge of my family's history and our circumstance to make me lose those qualities of you know who I am. I feel like when you grow up, you're not supposed to lose those qualities. You're supposed to add on to that. Yeah, it's supposed to be like an assimilation of everything. Right. You know, and I feel like we hold on to, like, you know, the worst aspects of, you know, childlike personality. Like, I grow up and now I realize that a lot of the people who are supposed to be my caretakers are just big-ass kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, Y'all have never learned how to how to talk to folks you never learn how to deal with your emotions i'm like y'all are just big old children the thing is you said that i'm like oh i feel like um even as i've aged into being more of a grown-up i'm like oh um i don't know what i'm doing something like hey ma'am do you like yeah ma'am do you need help with something i'm like oh do i ma'am do i need help i don't don't know jeez right like what i was like you realize that no one has it figured out yeah the the (laughs) We just ha- we just went through the process of like getting a house, and the entire time it felt like we had a bag over our head because no one tells you what you're supposed to do, no one tells you how to set up anything. And the thing is, I would go to my parents, and they'd be like, "Well, this is what we did," and I was like, "Well, that sounds illegal." Um, it sounds like I can't really do that. <laughs> a car, oh, a, a tree destroyed my car last year during uh during a hurricane or like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like two years ago, and. I was just like, well, uh, how am I supposed to get a car? And I traveled with my dad to get a car. And I was like, oh, this seems like a sham. This guy is just taking money from us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my it's God. Funny I, it's like I thought you were going to bring up your kids. Because I think it's like, I would just, like sometimes go to school with Derek to help him like set up his classroom. I'm the artsy person in the house. So I'm always there to do arts and crafts projects. It's, it's obviously kind of <laughs> nice, but also kind of like I'm someone's mom who has to finish a hard project <laughs> that's due tomorrow. Um, but there'd be like times where like I'm hanging out with Derek and his kids and they're like, Hey, miss, can you help me with this problem? And I'm like, miss, how is the problem? I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me with right? responsibility. I don't know. It's a weird pressure. You know, I, I feel like when I'm interacting with my nieces and my nephew, I feel like, you know, being their aunt, I like a lot of the adults in my family, they've had to like work for years to get all my nieces and nephew to actually call me auntie (laughs) you know i was i feel like i grew up with them and i'm like you know i'm stumbling through adulthood as they like you know become adolescents and they're like inching closer and closer to adulthood Mm -hmm. and i honestly i i'm trying so hard to really stay connected with my i guess my inner child just so that i can make sure that I can relate to them. I feel like, you know, when, I don't know, I'm not a parent, so I, I, I know when you, whenever you have anything to critique against parenthood, like folks, the yeah. folks want to fight and I'm just no, like, good. wait, 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 <laughs> I just have something to say. I, I, <laughs> I feel like it's so, <laughs> relax, 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 I just have a comment. But like, I feel like it's just, there's a lot of pressure as an adult to um, almost, I don't know, almost not relinquish your childhood self, but like, I don't know, I feel like there's just this big separation that some people develop between who they are as an adult and who they are as a kid. And honestly, it's like, 
I don't know, I try to remain connected to my inner child so that I can relate to them in a way where I, when I do have to be the, the caretaker, or when I do have to correct behavior, I want to really speak from like where they're at. Like I, I want to approach them where they're at and not um, make them feel like, oh, well, you're just a kid and you just don't know, or you're just, you know, you're over here and I'm over there and you got to wait till you get to where I'm at. All it's right. like, you got to meet people where they're at. And that includes children too, because children are people. See, I love the way that you put that because um, I'm also the psych person for entertainment too, <laughs> but I'm also a teacher. <laughs> um, I could say this. Um, I feel like I get a lot of flack from the older teachers at my school because I have the designation as the cool teacher at my school. And it's not because kids can break the rules with me. It's not because of that. Because Sam's has seen me in class. Yeah, he's very strict. I'm very I, I don't strict. know why these kids like them like that. But kids tend to, <laughs> my students tend to really like me because it's all about relating to them on their level. Mm-hmm. Like the thing is, as a teacher and as an adult, there's coming with the understanding that this kid doesn't really know what it's like to be a person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they were popped into this world um, and they have no experience in how things work. And a lot of the world's new to them. So you can't just like, I'm going to say you can't like quote unquote strict adult them where you're just telling them, Hey, this rule is that way because I said so. Yeah. Because the thing is, mm-hmm. that's just going to push I think once you say that, I feel like it's you can find fault in your logic, and I feel yeah. like instead of it being a rule, you're just trying to control me. It's just like, oh yeah, well you exactly. can't do this because I said so. It's just like, oh, so I can't sing on the monkey bars, um, with like, well it's like raining or whatever. It's like, no, it's because you might slip and fall. There's like reasons for it, but you not taking the extra steps to explain it. Could like, right? And I was like, you're just you're also just a person, ma'am, who's older than me. <laughs> And so, yes, and you know, there's so many, there's, ooh, the, the folks are going to fight me over this, but there, I feel like there's a lot of adults who want to exert power over yes. children because they've experienced power being taken away from them or their own autonomy being stripped from them. And so now as an adult, they're in a position where they can, where they are, where they have power over children. And so they feel like now I have the right to exert that over my kids or the kids that I'm in proximity to. And it's like, that's not really a right. You were wronged. <laughs> like, <But> you're hurt. <laughs> not in the school I'm currently at. Uh, the school I'm currently at is amazing. Um, but in past schools that I've taught at, there's been this constant problem where the the students would be like, yeah, this kid has a disciplinary problem. And so they send them to me. And I say, oh, they don't have a disciplinary problem. It's just you thought they were talking back to you or maybe they, the kid said it in a rude way. But the way that you explained to them, for example, I have a kid who was called who was acting up in class. And then the teacher was just like, yeah, you're acting like a thug. And oh. I was like, oh, what? And then, in February. And so the kid <laughs> reacted poorly to it. Yeah. And then the teacher doubled down on calling this boy a thug. Like, and then so I had to explain to them. I was like, "Hey, like," the, 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 and then the teacher was like, "Well, you know, he can be out here sagging his pants with his uh, dreads. He's trying to like throw up gang signs." And then I was just like, "You see the type of neighborhood we're in? You see that 
the influences this kid has around him, Mm -hmm. you just dismissing him by calling him a thug. Because the thing is, this kid was like in seventh grade. (laughs) And then it's just like the teacher is like, it's just like, the kid knows what you're trying to say about him. Like kids aren't as dumb as people think they are. And so it's one of those things where it's just like, you got to meet people at their level. Mm -hmm. You have to meet people at their level, but also understand where they're coming from and their background. And you have to understand and kind of, if you see a a behavior that you think is toxic or inherently destructive, you don't just like shame them for it. Mm If you could, but if you come from yeah. from a place of understanding, you can really get somewhere with it. Not thug, like <laughs> you racist. Right. The thing is, wait, I don't know. I don't know if the teacher was. I mean, you don't have to be. You don't I, have I feel, to I feel be. like regardless, that was not a good word to use. Yeah, they were white. Right. Mm. <laughs> ah, wow. You really, you really see, and then. Oh my gosh! It, it'd be white folks who hate being called racist, but then they do stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, what I call you then? Ugh. Yeah. The, then you call them out, and they'll be like, "Well, what else am I supposed to call them?" I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Oi. So. Oh gosh. <laughs> on a lighter note, I'm gonna switch over to the book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying Tangent. to. I'm gonna try to squeeze it in. I don't want this transition. Um, your lovely. It's book. okay. <laughs> yes. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to say this in French because I've been using Duolingo for like a week. So you know, French. <laughs> um, the book the book that you created, Nous Noir et Nous Belle, Nous Belle. I don't know if I did that right. You you did that. You did that. Nice. See, my Creole is hot doo-doo like i understand it very well but like speaking it is literally like i start sweating because, I am. like derek you you already know you already know what the grown <laughs> folks do to you <laughs> when you start speaking crayon it's like as soon as a single syllable comes out they start calling you blah this is like wow oh. like i'm trying my best <laughs> my, it's it's worse because um there's a lot of i i teach at an academy now and they, because uh, my dad is Haitian and Dominican, they gave me all the um, Haitian and uh, Hispanic. Hispanic kids that only speak Spanish. Because they're just like, yeah, Mr. Jumpy's got it. I do not. And so my <laughs> my my Haitian kids, they uh, they love just quizzing me on Creole. And because oh my god! I hate that. I hate that for you. <laughs> yeah, because they're just like, they're like, come on, man, you don't know this, and they just start speaking to me in sentences. I was like, no, no, I can understand it. And then how you're supposed to respond? I was like, no, please stop. <laughs> they're trying to quiz you. They're trying to get revenge. Oh, oh was on God. me. Pump was reverse. <laughs> the torture is not. See, it's when cook when kids start cooking you. Like it's it's over. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the, okay, so the first question I was going to ask is, you just finished a long-awaited project of illustrating a children's book. Can you tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. the process? Oh, so this was my very first time uh, doing a children's book, and I'm really grateful that my experience was uh, accompanied with a lot of hand-holding. So it was in partnership with a, um, a nonprofit called Room to Read, um, and they were collaborating with a publisher 
uh, Educavision. They're based in Pompano Beach, Florida, um, and they are a Haitian-owned publication. Um, so they're based in uh, my or kind of Pompano Beach and uh, the capital, uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Nice. And yeah, so it was really like I don't know. I knew that it was going to be uh, a books or a, bo- a series of books that a handful of artists were working on, but I didn't know it was with a Haitian publisher until we like got to meet each other at a workshop. Uh, it was a week-long workshop that we did uh, down in South Florida, and so I got to meet with um, an illustrator who was working with the nonprofit, kind of as our mentor, and um, a few people who were uh, part of the publishing team uh, with the nonprofit and the uh, publisher. And so they kind of guided us through what the uh, objective was, um, how the books were going to be formatted, and, you know, they gave us a lot of help with coming up with our storyboards and planning out writing a book. So I got, like, to work one-on-one with uh, a mentor who guided us through the process of planning a children's book. And after we had our week-long retreat, um, which they treated us really well, they got us uh, hotel rooms and we worked by the beach uh, at this hotel that was by the beach. So it was like a real retreat. I know I got flewed out. I really could have just drove, but like I didn't want to drive down there. (laughs) I asked them to fly me and they graciously did. Um, and it was, it was really, really, um, I don't know, I just feel very, um, privileged because not a lot of, uh, new illustrators get to have their hand held like that, especially since I didn't go to school particularly for illustration. I went to school for animation, so huh. while I knew how to draw, I wasn't sure about the process of creating a children's book, um, and so I got to go through it step by step with people who have already done the whole rigmarole multiple times. And I got to work with um, the other artists who are part of the book collection. It's called the Assam, Assam collection. Assam means together in Haitian uh, Creole. Um, and all the books are super, super cute. We got to bounce ideas off of each other. And we're still, we still chat with each other in a group chat uh, to this day, us and the writers. Um, Got, get to talk to each other and I think it was really great doing it collaboratively since um sometimes it feels it feels like I don't know sometimes being an artist can be isolating so that. doing yeah doing this whole process with other folks who are kind of in the same position as you felt empowering um in a way we all weren't sure how the outcome was going to be but we were all like determined to do our best and we were all very very supportive of each other we come from different backgrounds but like we have so many similarities so it was nice to feel like I was working in community with other artists if that makes sense Mm -hmm. that sounds lovely the thing is I I love that for you because like legitimately um hi also I also did a children's book um it's very <laughs> overwhelming. You have to think about a lot of different things. See, wh- funny enough, uh-huh. uh, we could we could say it. Okay, cool. Um, my funny enough, it was a children's book for my that my dad wrote, and so it was the extra <gasps> pressure of having 
um, <laughs> my very strict and demanding dad over us the entire time. My self worth determined oh my God. by <laughs> my father figure. Oh my God! And so, like comparing notes, I was like, "Oh, that's that's that, lovely. That was so lovely. It's like, it's like a nice like retreat, and then you're like also being like, I think it's I having like you can do it without having a person, but like." I feel like when you're just getting into it, having a person's nice because I feel like I was overthinking a lot of the yeah. process otherwise. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Like I was, I've always wanted to do illustration. That was actually my first career choice. Um, and it was what I wanted to major in, but I think, um, I just, I talked myself out of it out of fear. Mm-hmm. And so being able, getting this opportunity to get into it, and like have my hand held throughout the process that I think I was uh, very, very, very lucky (laughs) to be able to do that. And it's just so rare, especially when there are already so many barriers for us to be able to pursue what we want to do. So many financial barriers too, because it's kind of expensive pursuing an art career, like very, very expensive. (laughs) And like, um, Payola is really how a lot of folks, you know, get their names on the New York Times. Like, I think people underestimate how much money you have to be able to invest and how much money people have to invest in you to, like, be what, um, I don't know, I don't measure success in how many people know your name, but, you know, how we colloquially understand what success is. Being a successful artist in that sense, like, that involves a lot of investment. And mm-hmm. so if there's not a lot of money pushing you there, it's really, really hard. Um, so I think this was probably the best way I could have ever uh, <laughs> kickstarted my career. <laughs> I, sure. I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for having that opportunity. Nice. Um, so the, it goes into my next question. Uh, why, why, is this, why was this story important to tell? And also, I'm going to group that in with the, with the following question as well. Was like, how did your Haitian background inspire your illustrations throughout the story? So oh, yeah, that kind of, they kind of bleed, or my answer kind of bleeds into both of that. Um, I, I, so this story, well, for my book in particular, the one that I worked on, it, it's more of a poem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is, so it's a, it's basically a poem or a, um, a lyrical poem about, uh, the simple day-to-day aspects of Haitian culture that are beautiful and very relatable. And I think that this story was important to tell just for, well, it's mainly for an audience of children between the ages of like, uh, I'd say four to eight years old. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like anyone can read it. I mean, I still watch PBS Kids, so like, hey. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I think it's really important just to just because this story highlights simple aspects of culture that are um, that anyone can relate to, even if people from outside of the culture are reading the book, they can see the things that the character is pointing out, and if they even if they haven't experienced those exact same things, there's you know aspects of anyone's culture that are small, may seem insignificant, but you know you may hold near and dear. Uh, one of the things from the book is. Um, a specific spice that um, uh, a lot of Caribbean uh, dishes have, but in Haitian foods, especially in like traditional Haitian foods, uh, it's called zhuof, uh, which is called clove in English. Um, 
if you've ever had Haitian food and you bit into something that was just unbelievably bitter, you have had the experience of you all. <laughs> There's a reason we and... never have it in our dishes, Sam. So. <laughs> You know, you know, you see now people are smart and they just grind it up and sprinkle it in the food. So you're not like getting attacked by it. But um, that's like a small uh, aspect of um, Haitian culture or Haitian foods that is highlighted in the book. And it's something that I feel like I'm not sure if people outside the culture can relate to, but it's illustrated and written in a way that just makes you feel like, oh, I, I can feel what this character is experiencing mm-hmm. in that moment. And it's just, it's the little things in life. I know, I don't know where that saying actually comes from, but everybody knows it. Everybody under- has that understanding. It's the small, simple things mm-hmm. that make life so worth it. Um, and that's what this book is really highlighting. And I think it's a really great way to, um, I don't know, I guess when you're experiencing your own culture, sometimes you can overlook those things. And when you're experiencing someone else's culture, sometimes those little things are the things that, you know, uh, make you resonate with other cultures the most. Yeah. Like, I feel like, sorry, I was going to go back into the, um, dang, I lost my train of thought. It was like a really good thing that you said, but I forgot what it was um it'll come back it'll come back but i do appreciate you bringing the the real the relatability sorry my tongue um the relatability (laughs) of it because i'm like oh i feel like even though it's just like i didn't grow up in this culture i can still like i can still like kind of um feel this person is feeling with their like i don't know what i was gonna say now my brain was fighting two different thoughts at the same time but i'm like i feel like it's easy to Mm -hmm. like kind of empathize and kind of like reflect with the way the characters like day-to-day life is going i feel like everyone has their own routine yeah. and i feel like not even throughout the entire world our routine doesn't change much i'd like to think it right um depending on va- different variables but i feel like that showing a little snippet of someone's life in that way you kind of put on like reflect into your own life i would say mm-hmm. um and the second part the thing i remembered was which was trying to fight my mouth to get mm-hmm. to you was seeing all your illustrations one gorgeous illustrations they were very beautiful the thing is i was like so excited when your book came out finally because i was like oh and i can finally like see the entire book um gorgeous artwork and it it feels like a lot more um it has a lot more whimsy i guess because i guess i'm not used to seeing you like do like full illustrations outside of like the like pieces that you have but seeing the amount of detail that you just have in one picture was mind-boggling it was so beautiful. I loved looking at it. And I was so excited to see the entire book come out. So that's that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Yeah, it was gorgeous. I was very proud. Sorry, I, <laughs> we're friends. But it feels weird to be like, yeah, I'm really proud of you. Because it makes me feel like I'm like your mom or something. But I was really <laughs> proud to see your artwork, your artwork. It was very gorgeous. And I feel like it paid off. And I feel like it kind of showcased more of the sorry my brain i'm so sorry derek okay words are hard words are hard right now we had a lot of good conversation (laughs) bits and now my brain's blanking it's one of the things that we talked about a lot when seeing your art style and i think that's also why we had questions about like outside of your um fan art like more original art mostly because you have an art style which makes us want to like read stories in that art style Mm -hmm. it's an art style that's just i want to say crunchy 
and delicious and it's really fun to <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's very expressive it's very like like the color choices they use the thing is seeing like you mentioning like because i didn't really before you had like an art background and i'm like oh i could see this in this i feel like i could see this in mm. like your illustration because there's so um, such attention to detail i think i could look at it for a while and still find some new things i like about it Oh, that's so great to hear, because that's, that was my exact intention. I like making things really complex, and sometimes it's to my detriment, but it, it pays off, because the, those are the type of illustrations I was always drawn to. Like, I've, I've always loved picture books, and the ones I loved the most were the ones where I would just, you know, I would read it over and over again just to look at the pictures, because the pictures itself would tell more of a story. Yeah. Would, they would elaborate on the story more uh in depth when where the words like you know didn't cover mm-hmm. um and that's what i wanted to do with my illustration too um i'm going to use that delicious my art style is delicious <laughs> <laughs> um and th- thank you for bringing that up because i was also going to say that with you because what i was trying to say earlier um because your art style is so expressive i feel like even though you don't understand where like even if you don't understand it through culture or if you don't understand the language you can still understand the story through your expression, the expression in the artwork itself, which I feel like is a very, mm. one, a very hard thing to pull off, but also it's enhances the story for me as well. Because I'm more of a visual person oh. anyway. Yes. <laughs> that is great to hear. I feel like I've really been working hard to achieve that. Um, and storytelling, I mean, I like all types of storytelling, whether it be like through animated media. And I think my animation degree is really why I, I push my expressions a lot in my drawings, mm-hmm. um, because I don't have as much of an interest in um, doing animation right now. But uh, one thing that I took from uh, studying animation is pushing expressions, making things feel alive. And I want my drawings to feel very alive. Um, so I'm going to go to the next question. Um, was there anything that excited you working on this project? Frustrations, drawbacks, um, and how did you overcome them? Oh, I, I was, I mean, I was excited just to finally say like, oh, I got a book. Like, I feel <laughs> like this, <laughs> finishing this made, I don't know, I was always an illustrator. I knew I was an illustrator before I got this book deal, but, mm-hmm. um, the having the book and like having it in my hand and being able to like show that it's complete that was honestly it felt like um I, it felt very official like <laughs> like for the folks who um are maybe a lot um maybe not really artists or they just don't understand what I'm doing like this book was just like my stamp of not my stamp of approval but like you know yeah. my my stamp like I was here like yeah. I did this like it's for real <laughs> it's like one of those things so where I was like you I have proof that I'm not just like out here messing around yes I, I have a real thing that I actually <laughs> really did that someone really yes liked. like here's my proof mm-hmm. I think I was really excited to have that because it's I think that's um something that I've been struggling with a lot like saying that I'm an artist I feel like people feel like um being an artist or just like the label of artist is to some people it seems so very vague mm-hmm. but like now i have something um for folks who who are a little bit less understanding i have something that is just like i'm an artist 
here's my proof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not that I have anything to prove, but it's just like, I got it. Yeah. Don't try me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there were a lot of frustrations. I, I definitely feel like um, most of my frustrations, I mean, they draw back to capitalism. <laughs> they draw back to, you know, the realities of having to manage my finances while working on such a long-term project. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing that is also really difficult for me to convey is how draining it is to create art. Like, mm -hmm. it takes a lot of brain power to complete something, to, to start something, for, not even just starting the drawing, because honestly, with with any piece of artwork I do, it all starts with research, and I have to study, and then I have to practice, and then I have to start the uh, initial rough copy and then move on to the final copy. It's a lot of things that I have to figure out, a lot of uh, a lot of placement, a lot of geometry. Just there's so much going on in my head when I'm creating a, a drawing, and it. I'm not really good at explaining that, like, verbally, but... No, I feel like you did a good um, job, like, giving us a little bit of your process, because I feel like, if, if you want bad explanations, I feel like with me, I'm just like, my brain, when I do art, is shut off. <laughs> I'm just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's a lot of brain power. I, I compare it to, like, solving a really long math equation. Mm -hmm. So, like, one thing that I underestimated is how tired I would be after completing this. And I was working on this while I was looking for a new day job. And when I got a new day job, I was still working on it. And I was doing conventions. And it was during the holidays. There was just oh, a, lot of, a lot of juggling. Yeah. yeah. And I had moved briefly. I moved out of the house. And then I came back in. And it was just, oh, my God. It was, there was so much going on. And... I feel like I'd always had issues pricing my work before then, but after I experienced uh, doing this book and, you know, I got paid for it, mm -hmm. but it also kind of opened my eyes to how I should be compensated mm -hmm. for my labor because art is, art is labor. It is expensive. Um, yeah. It's a lot and, of hard work. Yes. And I, now I know that I'll never like, I I will not undervalue myself Mm -hmm. And now I feel a lot more uh, compelled to not allow other people to devalue uh, my labor either. So it, it was frustrating trying or realizing that I can't really juggle that much when I'm doing this. Like my art takes up a lot of my energy and my attention. And so I should be compensated for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, while it was frustrating experiencing that and you know, it caused a lot of mental stress. I, 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 don't, I have a better understanding of how, or I think I value myself more than I did beforehand, which, you know, makes me sad that I didn't value myself as much as I should have. But now I, now I know better. I fixed it. I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> or or I'm, I'm still fixing it. It's funny because you just answered like a bit of the, the next question I was going to ask, which was going to be how this project affected your goals and aspirations for the future. Uh, is there any more? Is there anything else you wanted to like extend in that regard? Oh yes, like now that I've uh, created um, illustrations for someone else's writing, I feel a lot more motivated to create my own writing. Mm -hmm. um, and I still want to continue to do illustrations for for other people's writing. I feel like that was like a great practice run yeah. for me, um, so that when I create my own books, I will 
I'll, I'll have a better understanding of how to analyze words and uh, create images from other people's words. Um, and it'll help me, like, you know, analyze other people's writings and study other people's writings um, so I, I can create my own. So I feel like this just added more fuel to my fire. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, sorry, were you going to say something? No, no, no. Oh, nice. Because, um, again, I, I appreciate hearing that because, like, legitimately, um, to hearing your, like, like your transition with like the children's illustrations which i wasn't aware of something that you were like you were like striving to do for such a long time which is really nice to hear you finally achieving that goal and how it like kind of changed your sorry, not change your life in a, in a sense but like change your perception of yourself which i feel like is also changing your life mm -hmm. um but i was going to go to the last and final question um how did this project fit into how you see yourself as an artist now I feel like I view myself as uh, being way more capable uh, than I initially thought. Mm -hmm. um, doing a children's book is very, very daunting. And, you know, I also, I didn't just want to create or work on this children's book and just, you know, be able to be done with it. I wanted to put my foot into it. And, you know, That's I wanted people... Yeah, like I really wanted to put my everything into it and I wanted people to see that. Like I, I wanted to put my best foot forward and to be acknowledged for that. And I think I, I accomplished that. And now I feel even more confident that I could do it again and do it even better because I didn't, I, I mean, I knew I was going to do a good job, but when I finished it and when I saw the final copy of the book in my hand, I was just like, whoa. Like I did that. Like, you surprised yourself I even. Yes, like I, I definitely surprised myself. Um, it was just it was a goal that I had put in the in in the back burner. Um, when I first started college, I I really wanted to pursue illustration, but I didn't. I I didn't think that I don't know. I guess I don't, I'm not sure what are all the things that convinced me that it was like a dying. Uh, industry, but it's it's not. And even if it is categorized as an industry that's like you know slowly falling off, like I was still able to do this, mm -hmm. you know, in during you know the uh, I guess the advent of AI art and you know with all this art theft going on, with all this devaluing of the arts, defunding of the arts in mm -hmm. school and public works, I was still able to do this even though. I felt like if I put all my energy into animation, which at the time, you know, they say it's a growing industry and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, even... it's growing, but not for the artists. It's yeah. growing for the CEOs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I felt like I was going in a direction that suits me, but didn't really suit the larger narrative of like, what, how do you become a successful artist? Mm -hmm. um, especially now that, you know, if you're if you're going to you know try and be an artist uh and, and especially in florida and uh during this time where it's all really cgi art is really what is um those are the most uh employment options you can find or or either doing defense contracting 3d art for like defense contractors and stuff i just i'm just like wow i'm really not making money moves right now but <laughs> <laughs> but i feel so much more um i feel like i'm moving in my i don't know in my truth mm -hmm. i don't know i i'm living the way that i 
really want to. I'm making uh, a career for myself that I really am going to look back and be like, okay, I enjoyed this. I'm not doing this because I feel like I should. Um, I feel like I have to be the artist that I am today. I have to be an illustrator because, I don't know, it feels the most natural to me. Um, and I don't want to do it just because someone else told me to. <laughs> I'm doing it because I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was lovely. Sorry, I, 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 was, in, I, was, in the, I was in the awe. That was a really good speech. That was a really good speech. I bite my tongue there because I could rant all day, but like, <laughs> I, I've already said a lot. <laughs> but no, that, that was perfect. And I feel that's like a nice statement to end the podcast on. I was just like, yeah, I feel like do art because that's what's natural to you. The thing is, um, there was a small part of me. Also, sorry, that was a lovely note. Should we edit there? That was good. I was gonna go into a whole other tangent. I think I think we're good. That's fair. It's uh, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> I love a tangent. <laughs> I tell people that I think in tangents. That's kind of how I describe my my thought process to people who like don't understand me, especially when I talk about how I have ADHD too. I feel like almost everybody I run into it has some sort of neurodivergency. Yeah. But like I tell people that I think in tangents. I don't think linearly like every one of my thoughts just has tangents on tangents on tangents. That's funny. <laughs> it's it's one of the problems that we've always had on this podcast where it's <laughs> me, Asia and Sam and we're always talking and people are just like you guys had one point 30 minutes ago. Yeah. But you know, completely <laughs> different topics. Yeah. I think the thing is, like, you, you mentioned I think in tangents. I think in tangents. Every story is like it's like it's everything's like a, connected. It's connected to a different thing. Yes. Like there's a connection. I swear. Just let me get to it. Just <laughs> hold on. <laughs> but yes. Um. We'll we talk after we end the podcast. We're gonna cut this part out. Oh, you um, want me to close out the podcast? Sure. Yeah. You have a okay. good closing out voice. <clears throat> Okay, they're doing wheelies in my in my neighborhood. Let me just move to the bathroom. <laughs> okay, I'm good now. <laughs> well, this has been Stirring the Pot. I'm Derek. I'm Sam. Oh, and I'm Mojo. Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> and thanks for listening. <laughs>